Psychics with SwineZ and Napoleon. Listeners, welcome to episode four of I Like It with me, Swine's Head, and I'm here with Napoleon. Napoleon, do you like it? I do like it. I like it very much. Do you like it? I like it. And this week, we are liking some beautiful, beautiful things. I am liking Nicholas Simon Lindhurst and... Oh, fuck, what am I liking? I am liking Nicholas Simon Lindhurst and Tuna Chunks in Brine. What do you like? Mm. Uh, I, this week, am liking The Fifth Beetle, and, uh, oh shit, I forgot, what, what have I liked? <laughs> Bram Flakes. Bram Flakes, that's it. Uh, I, this week, am liking Bram Flakes and The Fifth Beetle. So essentially, this podcast is going to be like, for you, listener, it's going to be like going to a dinner party with Nicholas Lindhurst and all of the contenders for who might be The Fifth Beetle, having a starter of tuna chunks and brine and moving on to a main of Bram Flakes. Would you have bran flakes as a main? Good point. What is it, a dessert? Or would you have it as an amused bouche? Well, uh, I don't know what one of those is, obviously, but uh, I would have it as a starter. I would serve, if Nicholas Linders was in my restaurant, uh, and he went, Oi, you, boy, get me some food now. Uh, I said, certainly, Mr Linders, I'm very sorry about this. Uh, and I would bring him an entree, I think they call them. I've seen MasterChef. I'd bring an entree of, of bran flakes, and then I'd bring him a main of tuna chunks and brine. Okay, so you've never had an amuse bouche in your life. Uh, I don't know what an amuse bouche is. What's that? Is that like a happy face? A bring on a happy face. It translates, I suppose, as amused mouth. Amused mouth? Well, no, I've never had an amused mouth. What sort of mouth? Do you, do you go to a restaurant and order a mouth? No, you, you're getting it all wrong. Basically, uh, an amused bouche, you don't really ask for it, and it turns up, say, maybe on a spoon, and it's just a mouthful of food to uh, get you going. Mm, I'm not sure about this. Uh, I can see you now, coming into my restaurant, sitting down. Oi, you, boy, get me some food now. Uh, yeah, certainly, Mr. Swine's Ed. Uh, um, uh, what, what, what food would you like? Uh, I'd like a mouth, please. Is this how you talk to people when you enter restaurants, or you, boy? No, that's that's me doing an impression of you. I don't talk to wait staff like that, and I'm sure Nicholas Lindhurst doesn't either. He won't well, be happy when he hears this. Well, I mean, if I went to a West restaurant with Nicholas Lindhurst and all of the Beatles and you, I would uh, order our food in Welsh, because I am, as you can hear, Welsh. You're not Welsh, I'm quarter Welsh, and I'd know if you were Welsh. I'm Welsh, boyo. You're not Welsh at all. Uh, I am Welsh, so stick it up your ass. I like it. So, uh, uh, what uh, thing do you like this week? The th- one of the things that I like this week is tuna chunks, specifically in brine. In brine? Yeah, in the salty water that you get uh, tuna chunks in. 
before they started. I know what I know what Brian is. Uh, that was more of a, that was a, a, an exclamation of surprise. What surprises you about that? I realise in later years they've started popping in sunflower oil and spring water and all that gubbins. But the old classic is the best: the tuna chunks in brie. Right. Well, I mean, I've got uh, I, I've got some thoughts on this. Uh, I've written a speech. Actually, would you like to hear that? Well, before you do that, let me just point out to get the the audience. Uh, kind of knowing the ins and outs of tuna chunks in brine. Sunflower oil steals the good fats from your tuna, so you don't want sunflower oil. Mm. Spring water is boring, so you don't want your tuna chunk in that. Mm. Also, tuna chunks in brine are fantastic in a jacket potato, a tuna melt, or a tuna mayo sandwich. Right. Right. I, I see. Okay. Right. Well, I'll do my speech now then, shall I? Yep. Okay, here we go. It's 1939, and an enterprising young go-getter with a world at his feet is wondering what to have for his dinner. I fancy a sandwich, he says to himself. But what sort of sandwich? He looks in the cupboard and spots a tin of tuna chunks in brine. Aha! He exclaims. That's exactly what I want. After finishing his tuna and cucumber sandwich, he picks up the phone and says, It's me, Adolf Hitler. Invade Poland immediately! You see? So you're blaming the start of the Second World War on a tuna and cucumber, on a tuna and cucumber sandwich uh, eaten by Herr Adolf Hitler. I am indeed, and I'm basically comparing you to Adolf Hitler and anybody else who eats tuna chunks in brine. They are also being compared to Adolf Hitler. How do you like that? I don't like that, and it's a pattern of behaviour you're already exhibiting that you. I think you did in the ketchup item, didn't you? Uh, what, that I compared you to Hitler because you ate ketchup? Yep. Uh, I, I mean, are you sure I didn't compare you to Joseph Stalin? He was another mass murderer. He didn't like ketchup, though, did he? I bet if Joseph Stalin was uh, thinking about what to have for his dinner, he would think, I know what I, what I, I want. I want a jacket potato covered in tuna chunks in brine with tomato ketchup. I bet that's what Joseph Stalin has for his dinner every day. I tend to disagree, and also I've got an interesting bit of news for you. Um, I got in touch with... Is this a trap? A fact? A trap? It's not a trap, it's just a, an interesting tidbit that you might be interested in. Go on then. You commissioned Nick Tan Music Man to record a song about his dislike of ketchup, correct? Uh, that is correct, yes. I paid a £1,000 for that song. And he loves ketchup. Uh, does he now? He does. Well, uh, in that case, I would like to uh, just say that Nick Tan, the music man, is no better than Adolf Hitler. I have uh, some uh, fish facts for you, actually, if you'd like to uh, hear those now. Okay, bring it on. This is a section I'm calling Fish Facts. Okay, here we go. Fact number one. The biggest tuna ever fished from off of the sea was 21 feet long. That's the equivalent of just under four Martin Daniels's. What do you think of that? What, as in Paul Daniels' son? Yeah, Martin Daniels. Okay. Uh, what relation does he bear to the tuna thing? Oh, it's, that's, it's, he's, he's just under four of him is the equivalent of the longest or largest tuna ever fished from off of the sea. Do you see? I see. Right. Fact number two. Martin Daniels would have to eat three and a half thousand standard-sized tins of tuna if he wanted to balloon in weight to the same size as the biggest tuna ever landed, which is 1,600 pounds. 
Right, I missed that because the your connection broke up. What did you say? You say Martin Daniels would have to do what? Uh, Martin Daniels would have to eat three and a half thousand standard sized tins of tuna if he wanted to balloon in weight to the same size as the biggest tuna ever landed, which is one thousand six hundred pounds. Why is Martin Daniels figuring so highly in in this whole exercise? Can you, can you just mind your own business and just listen to my fish facts, please? Fish facts. Continue. Right, fish fact number three. The smallest tuna ever fished from off of the sea weighed a measly 12 pounds. His name, incidentally, was Martin Daniels. Okay. You see? Fact. Thank you very much. Fact yeah, number four. Have you got more of these? Yes, I've got, I've got a couple more. Uh, fact number four. It would take just over 4,000 litres of brine, olive oil, spring water or sunflower oil to drown Martin Daniels. How can you possibly quantify that? Uh, because it's written down here. It's a fish fact. Okay. And find my final fish fact. Paul Daniels, father of Martin Daniels, once got into an argument with a tuna whilst on holiday in Landudno. The argument quickly escalated into a fist and flipper fight, resulting in a damaged dorsal for the tuna and a prolapsed anus for Daniels. Right. Where are you getting? Which website are you getting these facts from? Fishypedia. Napoleon, what do you like? Uh, I like bran flakes. Bran flakes? Um, you strike me as more of a special K man, I have to say. Are you saying I've got special needs? Why would I say that? No, I'm just, they're a lighter crisp. crisp. They're a lighter cereal. And uh, just strikes me as you'd be more into that sort of thing. And it strikes me that you're implying I've got special needs. I'm not saying that, but what do you like about bran flakes? Well, I've prepared a speech, if uh, you'd uh, like to listen to that now. Go for it. It's 1939, and a portly gentleman with a penchant for the booze is wondering what to have for breakfast. I suppose I could have a tin of tuna in brine, he says to himself, but that's only eaten by genocidal maniacs and idiots. I know, he exclaims, I'll have some bran flakes, the breakfast of champions. That man's name was Winston Churchill. And six years later, bran flakes helped win the war. Thanks very much, bran flakes. What do you think to that? I think bran flakes are an American invention, aren't they? Uh, no, 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 surely not. They're, they're English, aren't they? As English as, as apples. Well, uh, apples English, you sure about that? Yeah, apples are English. I've seen apples in England, so they must be English. Well, you've seen I've seen giraffes in England. Doesn't mean they're English. Well, they're, they're English giraffes. Well, they might have English names, but it doesn't mean they have English heritage. I think you're being a bit presumptuous here. Actually, I, I'd never go around a zoo and just presume all the animals are, for, are foreigners. Well, besides that's besides the point because. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the bloke who started Kellogg's, can't remember his name, Terry Kellogg? Uh, yeah, Terry Kellogg's. I've seen a film about him. Uh, what's his name? Anthony, um, you know, the fellow off Mutiny on the Bounty and uh, Hannibal. Yeah, Anthony uh, Andrews. Anthony Andrews. He played Terry Kellogg and he had an American accent. Yeah, 
but uh, he was English and he invented them in England. Not true. And basically what you're saying is the Americans won us the war, which I never thought I'd hear you say, but there you go. No, uh, no, excuse me. You are accusing me of being a traitor. How dare you? Britain won the Second World War. Everybody knows that with a little bit of help from the Americans and the Soviet Union. Everybody knows this. So the Americans after Pearl Harbor, well, no, even before Pearl Harbor, they sent us some special K and that boosted Winston Churchill enough to win us the war. Again, you're accusing me of having special needs. So, yeah, I've done a little bit of research into this, and apparently the British Heart Foundation says that bran flakes are only the fourth most bodacious cereal. Uh, the fourth? I think you'll find they're the first. No, they're the fourth. Porridge is first. Uh, no, porridge is awful. Porridge is just... Uh, porridge is slop uh, eaten by the Scotch because they can't afford to eat any... Uh, it's not the most bo- porridge is not the most bodacious cereal in the world. It's not even a cereal. It's made up of cereals, though, isn't it? They're just wet cereals. Can you get porridge in a box? Yeah. No, you can't. That's ready break you're thinking of. Porridge is basically wet grains, isn't it? Milky grains. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't come in a box. It does. Quaker oats come in a box. Do you, is there such a thing as Kellogg's porridge? No, Terry Kellogg was more interested in your flakes, wasn't he? He was not interested in uh, sloppy oats. Well, yeah, but uh, so therefore, oats are not the most bodacious cereal because they're not a cereal. They don't come in a box. So what's the second most uh, bodacious cereal according to these lies of yours? So the second most bodacious cereal is no added sugar or salt muesli. Uh, Again, that comes in a bag, not a box. Yeah, but hang on. Bran flakes come in a bag. It's just that the bag lives in a box. No, they don't. Bran flakes come in a, in a, in a box. Everybody knows that. You don't go to the supermarket and buy a bag of bran flakes. Yeah, but it, the ba- it, it's in a bag, but the bag comes in a box. This is just nonsense. What's number three? Shredded whole wheat cereal. Oh, I love a bit of shredded wheat. I wouldn't put them uh, up, you know, above bran flakes. I would put shredded wheat just below bran flakes. Shredded wheat is the worst breakfast cereal. It's uh, it's a it's a fantastic uh, breakfast cereal. It was eaten, of course, famously by Ian Botham, the uh, internet sex pest. Yeah, I can't think of Ian Botham these days without thinking of that picture. We see. I didn't know that picture existed until uh, Ian Botham uh, got a lordship or whatever they're called, and uh, the people posted it on Twitter, uh, and, and I th- that was disgusting, quite frankly, because I didn't know that. That existed, and I now know it exists. And now, whenever I think of Ian Botham, all I can think of is his rotten old cock and bollocks. So what's your uh, next item that you like on I Like It? I like Nicholas Simon Lindhurst. Do you like it? I like it. Because I like it. I like him. He's Nicholas Lindhurst. What's not to like? How can you not like Nicholas Lindhurst? If If you're not a Lindhurst liker, there's something wrong with you. There is. So a bit of a biography of Nicholas Simon Lindhurst. He was born 20th of April 1961. He's 59 years old. He was born in, uh, he grew up in West Wittering. He shares a birthday with Adolf Hitler, who's a name that keeps coming up for some reason. 
It uh, is indeed. Um, yeah, just to remind uh, listeners, uh, anybody who likes tuna in brine uh, is like Adolf Hitler. Carry on. Uh, he celebrates a birthday on the anniversary of the Columbine massacre, so I hope that doesn't ruin his birthday each year. Well, I imagine the, 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 the Columbine massacre ruined his birthday. Well, it happened, but I'm sure he's got over it now. You reckon? Yeah, it was a while ago, wasn't it? It was quite a while ago. Um, yeah, early he wasn't Rosford, there. As far how, as I'm aware, Nicholas Lindhurst wasn't at the Columbine Massacre. How do you know? He'd have been filming Only Fools and Horses, wouldn't he? What year was it? 2000? Was it? No, it was the 90s, wasn't it? Was it? The, it was in the 90s, mate. It was in the 90s. He was probably filming that one where they became millionaires. Maybe he was filming the one where they go to Miami and there's a jet ski. Miami twice, uh, that, that was called. Terrible episode. Where, yeah, David Jason did an awful American accent. I think we're getting off uh, topic. We've, we've already strayed into Jason. We should be focusing, laser-focused on Lindhurst. Carry on with your facts. Out of respect for Lindhurst, let's carry on on the Lindhurst tip. Um, early roles in Butterflies and Going Straight. Actually, should we go through his, uh, his, his sitcoms and see if you like them? Uh, yeah, we can do that. But just before you do that, I'd just like to sing a bit of the theme tune to Butterflies. Here we go. Life is like a butterfly. There we go. It's a great sitcom. Did you like it? Uh, I didn't like it, no. It, um, it was on, it was something my mum liked. I remember it was on in the 80s. They repeated it, didn't they, or whatever. And I didn't like that. So, no, I don't like that. Uh, going straight with uh, Ronnie Barker? Uh, never seen it, mate. I've only ever seen Porridge. Never saw Going Straight. So, uh, I don't know if I like that. That surprises me, because you always place yourself in the role of a sort of expert on specifically 80s and 90s television. But you've not uh, seen well, that one. Going- Going straight was the seventies, and the seventies. Oh, you've added the seventies now, just to make me look bad. Yep. Carry on. Only fools and horses. The fourteen-year epic that captured the nation's heart. Oh, do I even need to say I like it? No, I think we take it as read that you like it. I like it. Carry on. Uh, Good night, sweetheart. Where you played Gary Sparrow from nineteen ninety-three to two thousand sixteen. That is quite a run. Mm, I sort of like it. What? You got a problem with Goodnight Sweetheart? Yeah, I, I, I always thought it was a bit naff. Uh, I didn't mind it, but it wasn't uh, It wasn't brilliant. Plus the fact it was written by the two uh, fellas who did uh, Birds of a Feather. Um, and I, I just don't think they're the greatest comedy writers in the world, to be honest. But it had Jack out of bread in it. Oh, that's a point. Oh, I've changed my mind. Have you seen him now? He, he, he plays fat policeman in car, talking like a child. What on? Uh, on an advert for Haribo's. Oh, yeah, I did notice him in that, actually. He's got his own Facebook page, so go and give him a like, everyone, if you like him. Yes, go, yeah, like him and say, I like you as fat policeman in car with a child's voice. I might actually make that one of my likes in a coming week. What, fat policeman in car with a child's voice? No, Jack Boswell. Oh, right, fair news. Carry on. Uh, it's not really a sitcom, but new tricks, which nobody really watches. Uh, I like that, uh, but I didn't like it when Nicholas Linders was in it. What, did he ruin it? Uh, no, it was off the boil by then, mate. It was off the boil. It's like when they uh, they carried on with Minder, minus Dennis Waterman. Right, I see what you mean. Or uh, was it Taggart without Taggart? Talk Taggart without Taggart. Midsummer Murders without uh, 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 Mr. Baked Beans? Nettles. John Nettles. Why did I think John Nettles' name was John Baked Beans? No idea. Uh, do you want some more Lindhurst facts? Yeah, go on, carry on. 
He's married to a former ballerina. He's got a pilot's license, and he's six foot one. Six foot one. So imagine him squeezing into a plane. You, you'd be a bit worried there, wouldn't you? Really? Especially a light aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, all right. I, I was going to go with the seven four seven, but we'll go with the light aircraft. You've got on a light aircraft. Yeah. Say, uh, right. I'm Nicholas Linders, and you're a pa- you're a passenger. Yep. So get on the aeroplane. Yep. Right. Are you, are you on? Are you on? Yep. I'm all aboard. Right, there you go. Hello, I'm Nicholas Linders. I'm your captain for this uh, flight today. And as you can see, I am six foot one. Well, you can't see the pilot, can you, when you're in the plane? You can in a light aircraft, mate. Yeah, fair point. All right, so... Yet again, yet again, you've displayed your feeble knowledge of aviation. What do you mean, yet again? We've never even talked about flying before. Yet again. Is that the end of your uh, Nicholas Linders facts? Yeah, I'm out of Nicholas Linder's facts, but I think I did quite well in terms of research this time, didn't I? I mean, you did lovely, yeah. You've, you've clearly uh, you cl- uh, clearly stuck uh, Wikipedia on, haven't you? Um, actually, I think it was Hello Magazine I used for this. All oh, right. Well, uh, what, I think we should actually test your Nicholas Linder's knowledge, uh, actually, with a new quiz uh, I've called... Oh, it just says Nicholas Linder's. What? What happened? Uh, it just says, I forgot to give the quiz a name. Okay, let's just call it the, the Lindhurst quiz. What, the, the Nicholas? Oh, okay, here we go. Welcome to the Nicholas Lindhurst quiz. Right, are you ready? I'm ready, yep. Here we go. Question one. What Nicholas Lindhurst is a bit of the Earth's surface that isn't covered by water? Sorry, can you repeat the question? <sighs> what Nicholas Lindhurst is a bit of the Earth's surface that isn't covered by water. What Nicholas Lindhurst is a bit of the Earth? The Earth's surface that isn't covered by water. Nicholas Lindhurst? No, Nicholas Landhurst. You see? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, you see? Right, question number two. What Nicholas Lindhurst is a perceptible, natural movement of the air. Um, can you repeat the question again? What Nicholas Lindhurst is a perceptible, natural movement of the air. I'm going to have to pass on this one, Nicholas. Uh, that is uh, Nicholas Windhurst. Of course. You see? Yeah. Question number three. What is a Nicholas Lady Lindhurst who's not wearing any underpants? Is it just Nicholas Lindhurst again? Yeah, yeah, Nicholas, but as in not wearing any knickers, see? Got it. Right, uh, question number four. What is the length of an average Nicholas Lindhurst? I think I know this one. Is it six foot one? No, it says it's 21 feet here. You plonker. I'm not a plonker. Final question. Who starred alongside Nicholas Lindhurst in Only Fools and Horses? Buster Merrifield. No, I'm afraid it's Martin Daniels. Right, we're stopping out there. You see? Okay, on to the final item of this episode. Napoleon, what do you like? What I like is the 
ongoing debate over who is the fifth Beatle. Yeah, when you mentioned this to me, I was wondering to myself, well, which fifth Beatle could he mean? Does he mean Sutcliffe, Black, Tarbuck, and many more? There's many more besides, aren't there? Black? Scylla Black. Scylla Black? When, when was Scylla Black the fifth Beatle? She's been she's been definitely been dubbed the fifth Beatle at points before. By who? Uh, I would imagine the remaining Beatles. What, John, Paul, George and Ringo? Well, that's not the remaining Beatles. I don't know why I said the remaining Beatles, but I imagine by the Beatles. Well, uh, I follow the Beatles on Twitter and they're all alive. Hang on, what? No, they're not. Everyone knows John died in the 80s. Uh, no, uh, I, I follow John Lennon on uh, the Twitters and he tweets on a regular basis. So he's actually alive, amazingly enough. Hang on, has he got a blue tick? Yeah, he has, yeah. So is George Harrison. He just bangs on about peace and what have you, you know. He died in the 90s, I'm sure. Someone broke into his house and stabbed him in the eye or something. Uh, well, no, but he survived the attack, you see. And he's alive and well and on Twitter. So if, if you're a fan of the Beatles, uh, uh, go on the Twitters and they're all alive and well on there. Even Ringo. There you have it, listeners. If you uh, want to keep up to, with what the Beatles are doing now, the Fab Four, just jump on Twitter. And they're all alive. Now then, the fifth Beatle. Uh, I've, I've written a uh, short speech. Would you, like to, would you like to hear that? Absolutely. Here we go. Who is the fifth Beatle? It's a question that's been hotly debated for decades. But what's the answer? Is it George Martin, the legendary producer who Paul says is the fifth Beatle? Is it Stuart Sutcliffe, the band's original bassist who tragically died while having it off with a German in 1972? Or is it Martin Daniels? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> uh, here we go. Or is it Martin Daniels, son of Paul Daniels, the telly wizard, who was married to the lovely Debbie McGee? Who is the fifth Beatle? You decide. And I've written that in uh, capital letters, the you decide bit. You didn't mention Tarbuck. Well, I've got a list of contenders as well. I mean, that's just my speech. We can go on uh, to... Uh, to do the actual contenders. I was actually speaking to uh, my other half about this the other day, and she thinks the fifth Beatle is Ringo Starr. Well, I can see her point there in terms of timelines. Makes sense. Yeah. But I don't you think that's a bit mad, because surely surely Ringo is the fourth Beatle. Well, yeah, but he was the fifth-placed Beatle, wasn't he? Like, there were four, and then Ringo came along, making him the fifth. I can see the logic. I'm not sure I agree with it. But it's certainly worthy of discussion. I mean, I would, I, I, I would, I would put the first Beatle as John, the second Beatle as Paul, the third Beatle as George, and the fourth Beatle as Ringo. Hmm. What about Scylla Black? Oh. Where does she come into it? Uh, so I'd, I'd put Scylla Black as about the 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 twentieth Beatle. Okay. Have you got any more contenders? Right. I've got a list of contenders here. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Stuart Sutcliffe, Pete Best, George Martin. Martin Daniels, Barry George, <laughs> fuck it. <yeah. laughs> Stuart Sutcliffe, Pete Best, George Martin, Martin Daniels, Barry George, Brian Epstein, Brian May, Brian Cox, and Brian the Octopus. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Brian the Octopus, was it his garden? Uh, well, it could have been his garden, but I, I don't really know why that's on the list. It says Brian the Octopus at the bottom. Was he in the Beatles? 
He was not, but neither was Brian May, as far as I can remember. Brian May was in the Beatles. You're thinking of uh, the Queen. He was he was in the Queen with oh Freddie Mercury, uh, yep. Colin Baxter, and the other one. Uh, oh yeah, right. Okay, well, cross him out then. Yeah, so cross out the octopus we're... as well. Well, okay, okay, I'll cross Brian Brian the octopus out. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Right, I'll cross Brian the Octopus out as well. So we're left with Stuart Sutcliffe, Pete Best, George Martin, Martin Daniels, Barry George, Brian Epstein, uh, Epstein or Eatstein, and, and Brian Cox. Brian Cox, the phys- the physician man. No, the other one. the The one whose surname it- is uh, it's spelt C O C K S Cox. Brian Cox, who's that? The actor. Big big Scotch actor, big big gruff Scotch actor. He's in uh, he's in that thing uh, the Mrs. Watches uh, Succession. I know you mean, but it's not spelt Cox as in you know particulars. As in as in a man's thingy. Stuart Sutcliffe isn't dead, by the way. Uh, is he not? No, he's on Twitter. He genuinely is on Twitter. Right, so that again, we've discovered a, a newly alive beetle. We're doing well today. We've resurrected all of the beetles. Um, Pete Best, that rings a bell. Who's Pete Best? Pete Best was the original drummer of the Beatles, uh, and they kicked him out, uh, I think, because he had a quiff. Isn't that who Stuart Sutcliffe was? They went, uh, they went, oi, you know, uh, Pete. And he went, yeah, what do you want? And they went, Pete, look, you're going to have to get this mop top done on your hair. Or we're kicking you out the Beatles. And he went, you get fucked. I'm, I'm keeping my fucking quiff, I am. Up yours, you fucking bastards. And so they kicked him out. One of the stupidest decisions in music history, I'd, I'd say. It, it was indeed. Uh, so, am I crossing Pete out? Um, I th- I've not heard of Pete Best get, uh, before this conversation. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of him. And I'm getting rid of Stuart Sutcliffe as well, because he, he's, he's proven himself to be a liar. Okay, who are we left with? Right, we're left with George Martin, Martin Daniels, Barry George, Brian Epstein and Brian Cox. Oh, have we got rid of Brian Cox? Yeah, I think we've got to get rid of Brian Cox. All right then, right. Okay, so George Martin, Martin Daniels, Barry George or Brian Epstein? Martin Daniels, how's he reared his head? He wasn't even alive in the 60s, I don't think. Or if he was, he was a babe in arms. I think you'll find that Martin Daniels was in the Beatles. Right. Um, so what about George Martin? Yeah, I mean, he was uh, kind of essential to the whole music-making process, but it was a bit of a bore, wasn't he? Yeah, a bit boring. And he was, uh, just, he was just a backroom monkey, wasn't he? We can get rid of him. George Martin, <laughs> goodbye. So now then, we're left with Martin, Martin Daniels, Barry George, or Brian Epstein. What about Brian Epstein? Who's he? Well... He was integral to the rise of the Beatles, but he was dead by '67, and they made all the best stuff after that, arguably. So I would yeah, say he has yeah. to he has to go off the list. Okay, right. I think we're narrowing this down now. We're left with Martin Daniels, or <laughs> we're left with Martin Daniels. <laughs> right. Anyway, right. So we're down to two contenders: Martin Daniels. Right, we're down to two contenders. Martin Daniels or Barry George? Well, I'm happy with either of those, so you take your pick. Right, well, I think 
I mean, Barry, I like Barry George in the Beatles, don't get me wrong, but he was never one of my favourites, so I think I'm going to cross him out. So we finally discovered the fifth Beatle is Martin Daniels! Hey! And that's magic. Now, that is magic, isn't it? Uh, so there we go. For all the listeners who've been arguing over the fifth Beatle uh, for years on end, don't worry about it. We've solved the mystery. It's Martin Daniels. Lovely jubbly. Okay, and with that in mind, would you like to play my Beatles mini quiz? I'd love to play. Right, this is you'll love this quiz. It's brilliant. It, all you need to do is work things out, yeah? You ready? Yep. Question number one. If the daughter of Ian Beale was horrifically baked into a dish of fruit, meat or vegetables with a pastry base and top alongside the presenter of Games Master, what would that be? Hang on, her name was Cindy, right? Uh, no, 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 no. That, that, that was a wife of Ian Beale, the daughter of Ian Beale. Okay, um, what's her name, the daughter? Uh, well, you've got to, you've got to guess. Uh, it's her name is in the in the in the title of the the thing you're guessing. Okay, can you give me the question again? Sorry. Okay, here we go. If the daughter of Ian Beale was horrifically baked into a dish of fruit, meat, or vegetables with a pastry base and top alongside the presenter of Games Master, what would that be? I'm going to have to pass. Okay, that's Lucy in a pie with Dominic Diamond. Got it. Right, I understand how the quiz works now. Do you understand the quiz? Okay, question number two. If a window or mirror had feet and one of those feet developed a painful swelling on the first joint of the big toe, what would that be? Something to do with gout? Uh, No, it's a glass bunion. Okay, so... (laughs) Okay, I'm not doing very well here. You're not really, are you? Right, now, qu- question number three. What is a two... Oh, wait a minute. Uh, no, I'll start again. Question number three. Two small, wingless, jumping insects which feed on the blood of mammals and birds and you. And me? Yeah, us, yeah and you, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something to do with, is it something to do with ticks? No, no, it's fleas, fleas me. You see? Got ya. Right, question number four. What is an arse zooming towards you at tremendous speed? Bum, bum, bum something? Ah, you nearly got it. It's here comes the bum. (laughs) Is that the last question? No, there's there's no one, another one. Right, finally, question number five. This is this is for the uh, this is for the big money. You ready? I'm ready. Right. What would Martin Daniels shout? Oh, wait a minute. What would Martin Daniels shout at you if you were indifferently watching him getting into trouble in a lake because he can't swim? Help. No. Don't let me drown. You see. <laughs> <laughs> 